What's up, folks? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. We got our analyst, our day one uh, on for the podcast, Thomas Hemingway. Thomas, say what's up to the people. What's going on? What's going on? Thomas' birthday just passed, y'all. It was just so, obviously, Thomas had a belated birthday. All this stuff Appreciate was popping it. off in the sports world. And I was about to hit Thomas on his birthday, like, yo, Thomas, we need an episode. But I said, let me relax, relax. I'll get him the next day. <laughs> hey, so without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne, pop. It's my house, come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in, in. Welcome to my baby. All right, Thomas. So much going on in sports. As you know, got to start with the headliner, or the talks that have begun. I guess it can, kind of came out of uh, SEC media days that there's been talks between the Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC and potentially joining to put Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC conference. I'm going to give you all with some money talk, and then we're going to kind of go to Tom for the, Thomas for the expert opinion. So for one of the reasons that this is like really could be a thing is because Oklahoma and Texas have been looking at the finances. And so currently the SEC generates around $729 million in total revenue. And that was last year in 2020 during the pandemic and stuff like that. And each school was given about 45.5 million just off of that. Meanwhile, in the big 12 where Oklahoma and Texas currently reside, the conference made their conference made about 409.2 million and the payouts were between 37 and 40 million between its 10 members. And you have to understand in the SEC, this revenue is only about to go up because the SEC is ending their TV contract with CBS and they'll be partnering with ESPN. So ESPN will be able to cover more of their games. And that's expected to go up to about 300 million and will take effect in 2024. So a lot of times whenever you have these teams leaving is either for a competitive approach or financial. And I just gave you all the finances so y'all can see how this money keeps going up. Oklahoma and Texas definitely wants to be involved with the SEC money. So that being said, Thomas, what was your opinion when you first saw the news break? Um, for sure, my first thought was, you know, it was a money move. Because, um, I mean, we definitely don't need, uh, in my opinion, I don't think we need any, you know, mega conferences going around here with teams like, you know, that's what's forming. Yeah. So that was definitely my first thought was, you know, that's a, a big money move. You know, like you said, all the TV contracts and stuff came into mind. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, uh, we got to make sure they get in there first. You know, I think that's the first thing is, you know, people kind of jumping the gun, just seeing, you know, as soon as they see people in talk, they just assume it's, you know, a done deal. So, but, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it could end up being a positive thing, especially for the, you know, on-field aspect of it, just having, um, you know, two, two of the top teams from another conference come to, you know, arguably the best conference in college football, uh, it'll definitely make for a better product on the field. So, yeah, those are definitely my first thoughts, though. Yo, when you, you hear the SEC, it just means more. And I'm sure, like, Oklahoma and Texas have been looking to the side. Like, it does look like it's been meaning more over there than it is there. Than it has been yeah. here. The thing that I thought was funny, Texas comes to SEC. Like, y'all, ain't, y'all have not – Texas is not participating in the college football playoff at all. 
when you come to the SEC, that definitely is not happening. Like right yeah. now, you at least have the thing with the Red River Rivalry. Like if we win this game, we have a chance. And also, they the, the Texas Longhorn Network. They have like a 25-year contract with ESPN too. And so yeah. I was thinking it would be hilarious for like the Texas to have their, their own network when they're like the fifth best team in the SEC. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. That that now that's kind of a, a questionable move. As you know, it'll probably bring in more recruits just because you know they can advertise well. We're in the best conference, but you know, like you said, they weren't having much success in in the Big Twelve to begin with. So, you know, especially if they were to end up in the West or something, you know, end up in there with Alabama and you know the LSU's the Auburns of the world. Yeah, it 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 might get ugly. Yeah, and speaking of recruiting, that's one of the problems Texas A&M was having when they first, when the news first broke because it kind of surprised everybody. But Texas A&M is like, I kind of like being the only school in the SEC from the state of Texas because whenever Jimbo Fisher's out in these Texas high schools, he can tell these coaches and the players and their families, like, you can stay in the state of Texas and come play in the SEC, which is arguably the best. Well, I don't think it's even arguably at this point, but the best yeah. <laughs> for football. The Big 12 was extremely mad as well because they said that they were just in a meeting with Texas and Oklahoma earlier that week talking about like the future of the conference. And Texas and Oklahoma was like, yeah, you know, for sure. Like, hey, we, we look forward to it. And it's like, lo and behold, <laughs> this thing had been in the work for the past six months. So uh, very interesting to see where that goes. And the last thing I want to note here too is one thing that I've always thought of is that Oklahoma has kind of been carrying the torch for the Big 12 when it comes to the college football playoffs since they're the only team that from the Big 12 that has been participating in the playoff. And so as you know, or if y'all don't know, now you know, um, whenever your what team from your conference goes to the, whenever, so whenever Oklahoma goes to, the college football playoff, the Big 12 gets a check from the college football playoff. And so the thing is, with Oklahoma being the only team that's been participating, if they don't make it to the playoff, the Big 12 is just out of luck. And so I'm sure that gets kind of tiring for them. It's like, yo, we're kind of carrying all the way here. Meanwhile, at Alabama, they don't make it to the playoff. LSU winning the national championship. So they're kind of yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens with, this, with these talks. I just kind of want to get on here and break that down a little bit more. Uh, we're going to keep moving to headline topic. It's so funny because we're not even talking about on field play like that right now. But uh, Thomas, Thomas is a student athlete, in case y'all didn't know, at the Meth is Methodist University or University of Methodist? Methodist University. Methodist University, the Monarchs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. In Fayetteville, North Carolina. Shout out to Bill. Uh, so, <laughs> Thomas, I'm sure you have an interesting perspective on this. But what was your first thoughts whenever you realized that Student athletes are now allowed to monetize their name, image, and likeness, often referred to as NIL, and when it went in effect on Thursday, July 1st. Um, it was definitely a long time coming. I mean, I, I think it's long overdue. Um, you know, it's just crazy to see, uh, you know, just to think, you know, you can, you can walk in the store, see your jersey hanging up on a rack. Everyone knows, you know, what – you know, whose jersey number that is, but you're not getting anything off that, you know, the store and the school is making all that money off you. So, um, yeah, I was just think it was a long time coming, but um, I definitely think it's going to uh, kind of turn, um, you know, people into some deals uh, at schools, um, you know, you know, tend to, tend to make it all about themselves. I feel like it's going to lead to some stuff like that. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of the parents, um, you know, pushing kids uh, to play ball because now it's like you don't have to wait until they get to the professional level for it to pay off. 
you know, it'll start paying off when they're, you know, 17, 18 years old as a freshman in college. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's, it's long overdue, but, um, you know, it's, it's the pros and cons of everything. So I think, you know, so those are some of the negative things, too, that's going to come with it. It's, it's been interesting because, you know, even in Columbia, you're starting to see a lot of guys who are student athletes uh, partner with brands like Phenom Elite and like with discount yeah. codes with their names and stuff like that. And even I've even seen some guys uh, start having camps and trying to ask coach, oh, not coaches, but ask different companies to sponsor it. So that's kind of taking effect uh, also. And then you even have some of like top quarterbacks like Spencer Rattler, Eric King mm-hmm. and these guys, you see they have logos and apparel and uh, things of that nature. So definitely has been popping off and everybody is taking complete advantage of it. Did want to highlight a couple of them that I found. Bojangles, you saw Bojangles did that deal with DJ Uyangalela? I was just looking at that video yesterday. So yeah, that's, it, that's when I found out. That was news to me. Hey, the way he said Bowberry Biscuits, I said he ain't from these. He ain't from yes, <laughs> yes. <Absolutely. laughs> he said Blueberry Biscuits, I was like, yeah, you knew the news. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm sure I'm sure they looked over like, hey, big fella, you got to come on. <laughs> you got to say that. <laughs> hey, and uh, also De'Aaron King, the quarterback from the University of Miami. I think University of Miami. Uh, the U, as y'all know. Yeah, and yeah. He signed deals for more than $20,000 and receiving an immediate five-figure signing bonus from college hunks. A lot of like sports betting companies and places like that I've seen that have been getting involved too. And he also has his uh, clothing brand. And Nick Saban announced that Bryce Young, the quarterback for Alabama, has approaching the million dollars worth of uh, endorsements or advertisements, however you want to call it. And he ain't even made his first start yet. Yeah, and that's that's where I think that's when it came to mind. Like, kids are going to be starting to make six figures, you know, as soon as they hit college. Because, I mean, you think of a guy like Trevor Lawrence, if they had this rule, you know, in effect, when he was coming into college as a freshman, he probably been in the same position, yeah. you know, making six figures before he even, you know, took a snap. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to get crazy. And then also, I know people are happy to be able to give to student athletes after not being able to do so for a long period of time. But now it's a little bit different when you lose that game. Wait a minute now. It was one thing whenever, you know, you get your little scholarship, whatever, whatever. Maybe we buy you a car on the side, whatever. You know, that's not that's neither here nor there. But uh, now we done put all this money, maybe created a little business and funded you yep. something. And y'all, you lose this game. Now you got to come by my office. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. that's Yeah, I didn't even think about it from that aspect. Yeah, I put money into this. Like, this was obviously for you, but at the same time, this was like a uh, an exchange here. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the top games coming up, although we still got fall camp, that is right around the corner. Me and Thomas were discussing that a little bit before the podcast started. But uh, going ahead and talk about some of the games that will start on Labor Day weekend. You got the big one. Actually, we're going to go in chronolo- chronological order. You got Alabama versus Miami, September 4th, 3.30 p.m., ABC. Miami, I don't know if you knew this, Thomas, Miami returns 91% of their production from the 2020 team. Obviously, they're led by uh, their quarterback, Derek King, who was injured last season, but he has recovered. They return, I want to say, if there's 22 guys on the offense defense, they return like 19 of 22. And then you got Alabama, Jamison Williams, which is the Ohio State wide out, the fastest one on their roster last year. He transferred to Alabama. You got Bryce Young, John Mechie, who averages 16.7 yards per catch, uh, was ranked seventh in the SEC, total of 916 yards and six touchdowns last season over on 55 catches. 
So, Thomas, the question I have to ask you is, do you think that Miami has a chance in this ballgame, or do you think Nick Saban continues his undefeated streak in the neutral site, uh, uh, neutral site openers? Um, I think I think Miami got more than a shot. Um, and, you know, because of that first stat you read off, returning back, you know, 91% of their uh, starters. So, excuse me, I think uh, that's, you know, one of the most underrated uh, traits or, or qualities you can have in a team is experience. Yeah. Um, and just guys that are used to being in that big spotlight, which, you know, your quarterback, Derrick King, you know, he's definitely used to being in that spotlight. Um, and, you know, I think last year they, they kind of got that experience because they were a top-ranked team, you know, for a minute, and then they kind of, you know, slid downhill at the end of the year. So I think they, you know, got a little taste of that, um, you know, kind of got humble. So I feel like this year they're coming in with a different mindset. So I, I think they got more than a chance. Um, I, I'm hesitant to bet, you know, against Nick Saban uh, and Alabama just because, you know, we know that this whole program, they're just bred for those big-time games. So, um, yeah, it'll, it, it's definitely going to be a fun matchup. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely wouldn't count Miami out. Yeah, it's going to be crazy because I wouldn't even, like, I was thinking it was going to be a blow, but my barber is a big Miami fan, so he was kind of telling me a little about who the players they have returned. So I went and did some research. I was like, okay. They have a fighting chance. I, one thing you love about Alabama is with all the players that get drafted the year before, uh, whenever they, in that opener, you kind of get to see a lot of the new guys and get to hear about them for the first time. Now, granted, if you follow recruiting, you probably know these guys, but, you know, they kind of mm -hmm. go hibernate at Bama, get built, built by Bama, and they shine on the biggest stage in the opener. And it's a neutral site game. That one, I'm pretty sure, is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. I think, yeah, I think so. I think you might be right. Yes, that's going to be a great one. Hey, you hear Kanye West is living in Mercedes-Benz right now to his album drop? Yeah, I saw that. I, saw that. I don't know what he got going on right now. And we're going to have to get him up out of there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to move forward. Now, here's the big one for, I feel like, most people in you know South Carolina, Georgia, obviously. Clemson, Georgia, 730, Bank of America Stadium, ABC. I wanted tickets to the game. Tickets like $350, so I said, I'll catch the next one. But uh, very excited about it. Clemson's quarterback, DJ, DJ Uyunglele, Justin Ross, Ellen J. Dixon. He's the running back that's kind of been built for this moment. Definitely looking forward to seeing him play because I've seen him play as a freshman. I knew he was just kind of, you know, waiting his turn behind Travis Etienne. Meanwhile, for Georgia, the, you know, George Pickens did tear his ACL last year. I listened to Kirby Smart talk at a press conference at SEC Media Days. He said that George has made straight has made great progress. He's running straight line, but you know, football being a receiver position, we know there's a lot of cuts and boundaries and things like that. But yeah, sure. Kirby said that he's trusting that he's trusting their athletic trainer who worked on Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb, who had the same injuries. Some notable players from the Georgia Bulldogs you got Eric Gilbert, who had a lot of high praise from JT Daniels saying being that Eric he was basically saying how Eric Gilbert is like such a football head always and they're getting extra work and stuff like that. He's like one of the number one ranked tight ends coming out of uh, high school, went to LSU, transferred to Georgia. You got Darion Kendrick that's usually in the orange and white, but was dismissed from the Clemson program and picked up by Georgia. So he'll be at a corner. He's an all ACC corner. You got JT Daniels, who's supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks coming out this year. Uh, and most people remember him from the University of Southern Cal before he transferred. And then you got Dominic, Dominic Blaylock, which is the light skin receiver. I'm pretty sure he wears number seven. You saw him ball out last year against uh, Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, and James Cook. So, Thomas, what you thinking about this matchup, Clemson versus Georgia in opener? 
Um, definitely another good matchup. Uh, I think I'm I'm excited to see, uh, you know, Dayon Kendrick play against his old school. Um, just because of how quickly that all happened too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like some you know elongated process. You know, it just happened that fast, and it just so happened that they play each other in the opener, which I'm sure probably helped you know in uh making that decision to go to Georgia. But um, yeah, it'll definitely be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to see what uh DJ does for Clemson now that he knows you know he's that guy for the offense now and he's running the show. So uh, it'll be um interesting to see you know how long will he's dabble in him. Let him have that first game. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, experience Georgia bringing back on defense. I know they lost a couple corners in the draft with um, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they go out that secondary. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, Justin Ross come back after that. Uh, I think it was a neck injury he had. Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he's playing back, you know, in his first game in like a year and a half, two years, whatever it is. But um yeah, I think I think Clemson is going to start off the season strong, though. Um, like you said, they're, they're bringing back a lot of experience on offense at quarterback and with Lynn J. Dixon. So, um, yeah, but it'll still be a good game overall. Yeah, Justin Ross, I was actually at the Cotton Bowl when he had those two touchdowns as a freshman catching up from Trevor, and he just jumped on the scene and kind of went crazy. So it's good to see him make that return. It's very similar to, like, the Mike Williams story who has a neck injury and then comes back the next year. And Mike Williams won a national championship, so I'm sure Justin's hoping to match that progress. We're going to stay in college football. We're talking about the college football playoff, which has – I thought that it was happening. It has already happened, but it's been proposed to expand the 12 teams in the future. It's not going to be this year or next year, but maybe the year after that. Um, they're, they're saying potentially what could, what could happen would be that maybe some of these games might be on teams' home campuses, so some of the playoff games on college campuses – Thomas, are you excited to see a 12-team as long as it happens, or would you prefer the four format that we have now? Oh, no, I'm, I'm all for the 12-team format, um, especially with, uh, you know, the possibility of games being on campus. I just – I can't even imagine, you know, what those atmospheres would be like. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm – yeah, Ben thought we should have had more than, than four teams in the playoff. I mean, I think college football is probably one of the only leagues that has, like, you know, a tournament pool that small I guess it's just four teams so um it'll be interesting to, to see if they got any uh special like deciding factors and, and who gets seated where you know like maybe the conference champs from each conference get seated in a certain place so that'll be interesting to see how that um you know goes in order but yeah I'm definitely uh in favor of a 12 team playoff yeah, I think people are real. I think people, fans will be so excited. And like you said, when you pet those things on actual college campuses, it adds to the environment that much more. I'm really excited to see for the future of college football. It's looking bright. It's looking bright right now. Now I'm going to ask you about this SEC. So I'm kind of early season going in predicting it's going to be Georgia versus Alabama coming in the SEC championship game. Y'all, these are way too early predictions. I think I stole that from ESPN, so shouts out to them. But, uh, Thomas, do you think anybody – do you see something different? Do you see maybe a Florida creeping in on Georgia, although they lost Kyle, Pask, uh, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts? Or do you see yeah, – Yeah, not to cut you off. I was just about to say, I could see Florida sneaking in there. Okay. Um, because, you know, even though they lost Kyle Trask, they got Emory Jones, who was his backup, but he still got a lot of good playing time, really, over, like, the past two seasons. Um. I know about two seasons ago in 2019, they had him more in a lot of run packages um, to where, you know, when he came in, it was kind of predictable. You knew they were going to run the ball. Yeah. But last year, um, 
you know, you could tell he improved more the way they had him more in, you know, passing situations. And I know he played a lot of that game in that last game of the season in the Cotton Bowl. Um, and they're bringing back, you know, a couple good receivers uh, and some guys on defense, too. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, Florida should be slept on too much. You know, they might sneak in there. Uh, but as far as the West, I think I still see Alabama coming out the West. Um, I think LSU probably got maybe like another year or two before they're, you know, if they're ever going to get back close to that 2019 team, I think maybe next year, if anything. Um, so, yeah, I could see Georgia and Bama, but like I said, don't sleep on the, on the Florida Bama matchup either. Yeah, I just wanted to let everybody know that Emory Jones has been training with Quincy Avery, which is Deshaun Watson quarterback coach. Y'all know I'm big on QB takeover. So if you are a quarterback, if your older brother is a quarterback, if your nephew is a quarterback, send them to QB takeover. I need to link up with them and see if we can get some type of like a partnership going on here. (laughs) (laughs) And then LSU got a linebacker from Clemson that was heavily recruited out of IMG Academy. His name is Mike Jones Jr., he transferred. I, I don't know if he wasn't fitting in Brentville's scheme, Brent coach Brent Venable's scheme, who is now the highest paid defensive coordinator. I think he might be the highest paid assistant in college football, right? I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that was definitely a segue. But yeah, but anyway, so Mike Jones is at LSU. <laughs> so <laughs> come see. And let me get mine as well stay on the LSU topic. So Thomas, Derek Stingley was a was a beast his freshman year. He said the expectations really high. And then his sophomore year, I think he had some trouble. I think this year he'll be wearing the number seven as generally the best player on the LSU defense does. Do you think, and Leonard Fournette wore it too, so I guess it can go both ways. But do you think Stingley will be back to rare form this year, or what are your thoughts? Um, I definitely think so. Uh, I, I, he has a chance to be. Um, you know, I think, like you said, the biggest thing is probably just how high he set the ball his freshman year. Yeah. I mean, he had all the hype coming in. Um, and honestly, he he lived up to it, if not, you know, uh, surpassed it. Um, so I just think uh, the second year wasn't necessarily a bad year. It was just, you know, if you're going to compare it to, you know, his freshman year, then, you know, it probably was a mediocre year. But um, he's got, you know, the sophomore Elias Riggs on the other side of him who had a, a, a great freshman year. So teams know they can't just throw away from Stingley all games. So. I think he's going to get his opportunities to make plays. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, he, he can definitely return to rare form, especially, you know, I've heard talks of him using him on offense as well. Yep. Uh, I know he returned – yeah, I know he returned punts his first, you know, two seasons there. So, you know, if he does that, he can, you know, affect the, the game in all three phases. You know, he, he definitely can have a big year. Yeah, looking – you know, we always look forward to see that LSU corner that comes out and dominates. So, hopefully – that will be back distinctly doing that. And the guy on the opposite side, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he'll be able to hold down his side and see some fireworks in LSU. Well, from LSU. Okay. And say, we're in, well, I'm in South Carolina, Thomas, in North Carolina. But uh, University of South Carolina, Thomas, I don't know if you've been following, but it seems like Shane Beamer has the Gamecocks believing. Now, that schedule, I, I, I don't have the schedule with me right now, but those last five games are brutal. But from what you've seen, do you think that there's some promise with Shane Beamer as the head ball coach at USC? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely um, you know, it's it's a lot of positive energy I can tell around campus and just around the city. Um, he brought a lot of good energy. Um, you know, when he when he came to the school, um, it's kind of hard to you know, I mean, with a first year coach, you won't tell till you know the guys get on the field. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I feel I feel like we kind of went through the same deal with Muschamp. Definitely. You know, when he got here, you know, this is gonna be the guy to turn the program around, type of thing. Uh, but you know, being right, I think I'm a little more optimistic about it because he's been in the program before, back in the Spurrier era, which is you know probably arguably one of the best eras in you know game college football history. So um, he was there for the you know quote unquote glory days. So um, I think he understands how important it is, you know, to the state and just uh, to the city. So um, I definitely feel like he he has him headed in the right direction, and he's recruiting real well too. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen. So yeah, he he's definitely on the right path. Yeah, he uh he said he made a comment and he was saying coming from LSU, he definitely uh, not LSU. Whoa, I did not mean to say that. He said coming from Oklahoma, he sees the importance of having a high powered offense. And I think that put a lot of South Carolina fans at peace because it's like, okay, so we're not gonna be begging him not to run the ball on, you know, like third and sixteen. So although South Carolina, the running backs, the backfield, the duo this year should be crazy. Uh, with the guy coming back from injury, what's his name? His highly talented. Yeah, uh, um, Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, Marshawn Lloyd. And then South Carolina dominant run game last year as well. So we'll see what happens. And while Thomas was talking, I did enable pulling up the schedule for South Carolina. And I'm just gonna tell you the last five games you got. Uh, you got South Carolina versus Texas A&M, Florida versus South Carolina, South Carolina Missouri, Auburn and Clemson so that that's a tough five game stretch at the end and throughout the year you know you got Georgia and uh, you know Kentucky but and Tennessee so but you know those are manageable besides Georgia 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 might wipe the floor with them and they're going back to Athens this year if I'm not mistaken so what are the yeah I, I was just about to add not to cut you off I was about to ask what were the um you know locations of those last five yeah so let's see here Clemson is in Columbia right? okay Auburn is in Columbia. No, 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 yeah. Wait, what? Auburn was in Columbia last year. Yeah, that's. I was thinking that. Yeah. So they're coming back. Yeah, it's in Columbia. That's the mm. for Clemson, Missouri. They go to Missouri. So. Okay. Uh, Florida is in Columbia. You know, at least a lot of these games are in Columbia. That yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, at least uh, that's still brutal, like you said. But yeah, at least that uh, oh, that's still tough. Tailgate would be nice. Fans would be amped up. <laughs> and homecoming should be off the charts, too. And, and then uh, whenever they play Texas A&M, they go to College Station. That's always tough. That's, you know, one of the tougher environments in, in all the college football. So, I want yeah. to ask you, since we're talking about Texas A&M, what do you think about with Kellen Mond being gone? They still have Isaiah Spiller. They always have good receivers at Texas A&M. Do you think they're, they, they should be solid this year? Or you think they're going to take a while for them to adjust without Kellen Mond? Um. Yeah, it's 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 definitely tough because cause Mon was like they didn't he was their starter, you know, since his freshman year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um so they didn't, you know, really ever have any type of quarterback controversy for the past four years. So it'll definitely be some adjusting, um, you know, coming in with a guy who who has, you know, little to no experience. Um but, you know, they got a experienced coach in Jimbo, a championship when it coach. So um, you know, we'll have to see what he has up to see. But yeah, that's it it'll be tough in that way. Yeah, always. LSU and Bama and Auburn, it's it's tough. So And they yeah. say they say experience is the best teacher. And that that could be yeah. a brutal teaching in the West. I'm glad you brought up Jimbo. 
clearly me and Tom has been talking football for the better part of 10 years, because that's exactly where yeah. I was about to go. <laughs> um, Jimbo Fisher is great developer of quarterbacks. He, as we, uh, most people know, he helped with the development of Jameis Winston and all the Jameis Winston trials. And since we're, this is a seamless transition into uh, Jalen Ramsey. So y'all know, I love listening to interviews was listening to, and I love hearing recruiting stories, love hearing recruiting stories. And so I was listening to Jalen Ramsey on Million Dollars Worth of Game. Make sure y'all go check out their uh, their podcast or YouTube. It's on the YouTube channel or whatever you want to watch it on. But did not realize that Jalen Ramsey wanted to go to the University of Southern Cal. And that was not like when Southern Cal was good. That was the rough days of Southern Cal. But the only thing that got him to Florida State was the fact that Southern Cal defensive coordinator and DB's coach was fired. So that's crazy. Thomas, can you imagine um, – well, he's in Los Angeles now, but could you imagine uh, Jalen Ramsey at the University of Southern Cal? Yeah, I'm trying to think that'd be, that's like you said, that that was kind of interesting because at that time, I'm trying to think what class that was he came out in. It would have had to been like 2012, 2013. Yeah. I think because they won the championship in what, 2013, right? I want to say so. I want to say he was a freshman on the national championship team at Florida State. Yeah, so if that yeah, so if he graduated high school in 2012, yeah, I don't think Southern Cal was was too hot right then. Um, so yeah, that's that that was definitely interesting. Um, and especially with with him being from Nashville, Tennessee, you know, that's all the way across the country. So that's you know that that had to be some nostalgia from those you know Reggie Bush days. You know, hoping he could bring that back or something. Because yeah, that that definitely would have been interesting to see him over there and see if he would have developed into being that same player because. Southern Kyle at that time in Florida State, those are, you know, completely, you know, two completely different programs. So Southern Cal creeped up on me last year. I was watching, I don't know if I watched the Pac-12 championship game or maybe I like saw on the website. It was like they had a really good season last year. I like went down, granted, they were only playing in the Pac-12, but nonetheless, it'd been a while since we've seen since what's the cornerback's name that went to the Tennessee Titans? Adore. Adore Jackson. Yeah, it seems like he was in kind of a sweet spot at Southern Cal before then. They have been down for so long, so to see them having a good se- to see them having a good season is definitely good for college football. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and so y'all, we're gonna slide here to the NFL real quickly. We'll kind of wrap this thing up. So I'm sure a lot of people have been hearing about the controversy between the NFL and how they're dealing with like COVID vaccines and what will happen if players don't get vaccinations and things like that. So I'm just gonna go ahead and read y'all two things that I found that the NFL, one of which is the NFL informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18 week season in 2021 due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the teams with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for playoff seeding. When they, when that came out, there was a lot of interest. You saw Twitter was kind of jumping and even DeAndre Hopkins was like, oh really? Because this kind of forces your hand because you really don't want to cost your team a, a playoff seeding, a, a chance at the playoffs. Maybe if you're like one loss on or one loss off potentially. So did this kind of surprise you, Thomas? Um, Surprised about the outrage? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not this, nah, I'm, I'm not too surprised about the outrage because I mean, you know, it's kind of like you you trying to tell grown men, you know, what, you know, to, to do with their bodies. But, yeah. you know, and it's, on the flip side, you know, if I got to play devil's advocate, it is in a sense kind of hypocritical when, you know, if you think about all the, the documentaries, you know, we've seen about the, the painkillers and different medications guys will take to, 
to play on Sunday, but it's like, you know, a, a shot for vaccine is, you know, where you draw the line. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think, like you say, it, it's more so about them, uh, you know, forcing their hand to where it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, you got to play it or it's, it's a big chance you're going negatively negatively affect your team. Um, so, yeah, I, I can understand the outrage, but um, I, I think it's more so about that forcing their hand than the actual vaccine, at least in my opinion. Yeah, you heard them say originally they were talking about plane flights, where they're saying we can't make people get the vaccine, but we can do is say if you don't have the vaccine, you can't get on plane flights. So it's like I'm trying to force your hand as much as possible and give yeah. you a little gray room. And also, though, now it's a little bit different with NFL personnel as far as coaches, front office executives, equipment managers and scouts and everyone else labeled under tier one, they have to be vaccinated. And we have seen some head coaches, not head coaches, we've seen like offensive line coaches from different teams and stuff uh, be fired or let go because they refuse to get the vaccine. And so I guess these guys are just going to hopefully maybe wait it out and hope that next year is a mandatory uh, of some sort. But that, that was a little bit of a shocker. They're like, okay, the players, okay, we'll deal with it. These coaches, executives, I saw the equipment managers. I'm like, dang. And the scouts, I'm like, I don't even think scouts get paid that much. It's like, get that vaccine or you up out of here. So uh, that's definitely been something of interest. The NFL, like I said, I'm going to call it NFL Twitter. I heard somebody saying, what did they say? Somebody on Twitter was saying, so y'all in the Big 12, y'all can't handle, uh, because you saw they're putting a lot more, like they might get penalties for if you do the horns down. Uh-huh. They're saying, yeah. Y'all can't handle that. You what y'all gonna do with SEC Twitter? I was like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, we're going back to the NFL, and we're going to wrap it up here uh, shortly. Deshaun Watson. So after all the scandals, still no criminal charges, and it was reported that Deshaun Watson was showing up. We recorded this on Sunday night, so today at training camp, because if he did not show up, he was going to be signed fifty thousand dollars a day which is a ton of money. And if it, I don't know if you all remember, but Sean Watson lost a lot of his endorsements due to, you know, y'all know, y'all live under a rock. Y'all know what's been going on with D.Y. So, uh, Thomas, were you surprised to hear Deshaun Watson would be showing up after all this offseason? He wasn't coming in. A lot of people were thinking he might be on the commissioner's exempt list due to allegations and whatnot. Yeah, honestly, I was surprised when I saw the, the headlines because usually when players are involved in, you know, cases off the field like that, it's like, you know, you don't see them anywhere near the field. You know, you don't hear about them in the media or anything. It's just all that kind of just handle behind closed doors. So it's, it's definitely going to be something to watch to see how he handles it in the media. Like if the team, you know, even less the you know, I, I'm pretty sure they'll have some kind of briefing with the press before, like, you know, no questions about the, you know, uh, case that's going on right now or whatever. But, um, once I saw that, you know, fifty thousand dollar fine for each day he wasn't gonna be there, I, you know, quickly understood why he was showing up. You know, whether he wanted to be there or not. But uh, like I said, it, it'll just be interesting to watch how all this unfolds, especially with with him in the media. Yeah, and uh, me and Thomas were talking beforehand, and I was saying like, yo, I know Tyrod Taylor, who is not who is a quarterback on this roster, is hoping that they go ahead and trade Deshaun because I'm sure he was anticipating being the starting guy. And it was so weird because Tyrod Taylor works out with Deshaun and Quincy Avery for quarterback training. So it's like, okay, at that time we were thinking Deshaun was leaving, but it's like now they're going to be on the same roster, but I'm sure Deshaun will be ready to go and be a professional and just hope that his David Mugalata or whoever his agent is can hopefully get him a deal to uh, get him up out of there. 
Thomas, yeah, yeah, and you you had kind of given good perspective on this. Do you think that Deshaun will be there on week one of the NFL season, or do you think he'll be gone by then? Um, honestly, I think uh, I think if the Texans are going are going to play it the way I think they're going to play it, I think they might try and trade him close to when the season starts to where I guess um, he can't just, you, you know, because if they would have traded him before the, uh, or, or right after the season ended, he would have had time to get, you know, acclimated with his team, get to the playbook and stuff like that. You trade a guy, you know, week three, week four of the preseason, you know, right before we won, it's like, you know, it's highly unlikely he's going to be, you know, the starting quarterback that quick unless he's just a, a team that needs a quarterback that bad. So, um, you know how the, these NFL teams play the game. Um, you know, it's all competitive and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I could, I could see him being moved before we won. It's just, you know, all about where is going to be the interesting part. Okay, gotcha. And Thomas kind of uh, pulled, like, kind of like peeled the curtain behind back a little bit whenever he was talking about, like, the, they'll have media meetings saying, okay, you can and cannot ask these type of questions. Also look on the social media page for the Houston Texans and see, because usually, you know, it's nothing but pictures of Deshaun Watson. It's like they're probably telling their camera people, hey, we're not doing those pictures. Or just see kind of what happens. Yep. I'll kind of tell you the story, too, uh, about yeah. what the future is between him. Because I didn't realize how much that – but they had – I didn't realize how much that plays a part. But they have meetings, like you were saying. They let them know, like, hey, don't do this, do this. Because whatever gets out, we're not clearly not in Houston like the rest of the world is. And a lot of all, a lot of eyeballs will be on probably like NFL Network seeing what's going on. So it's like if we can kind of make this thing appear, we can kind of control the narrative, if you will. So yeah. it would be interesting to see what happens in Houston. And last but not least, the Tom Brady video went, went viral today. Him at UCLA throwing the ball to the jug machines. I was one of the ones that believed it. I was like, oh, man, the Buccaneers got themselves another championship. Ain't nobody doing that. And uh, <laughs> I saw Quincy Avery on Twitter. was like, y'all, that is fake. And I think Thomas said it was fake, too. And I was like, wow, did not catch that. Thomas, how'd you know <laughs> right away? You said how I know it was fake? Yeah. Because um, on the judge machine, you know, on the judge machine, you need somebody on the opposite end pushing the ball out. So it's like, you know, even though – the, the first part, I can understand how it fools people because, you know, yeah, you can throw it in there. But as far as it's shooting it back, that's when it kind of gave it away from me because I'm like, you know, usually I'm, I'm – unless he threw it with that much force, <laughs> like, you know, kick this up back and push this up back forward. Um, but, yeah, usually on a judge machine like that, you need somebody thrusting the ball through those, you know, uh, things that are spinning in order for, you know, the ball to come at you. Gotcha, so, man. But yeah, whoever, whoever, whoever edits his videos is crazy. I hope he cut him a good check because yeah, he, he had him trending on Twitter, all that off of you know, off of fake videos. So well, we were firmly believing, like, like I said, I was like, oh, yeah. God, nobody's starting quarterback is doing this. It's <laughs> Brady about to win his second one. You saw the news that he played all last season on a what was it, a torn what? I want to say torn MCL. It's crazy. That that is that is absolutely how, how you 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 think that really. Was that well? I mean, yeah, you say that's crazy, but when you think about his play style, you think it's, you know, does that kind of you know take some away from it? Good point. That's a very good point. It's not like he's jumping I mean, pocket. Yeah, I mean, that's still a lot of pain. I say, I said I could do it. You know, that's regardless. He tore you know ligaments in his knee or whatever it is. But you know, I guess it was just with him never leaving the pocket. You know, 
It yeah. doesn't even hurt his game when you think about it. I was about to say, it would be more streams like on a Lamar, you would say. But with him yeah, you know, yeah. kind of standing in the pocket, him falling down about three, four times a game. Exactly. <laughs> Throwing the ball in the dirt, yeah. Hey, and if Demetrius is listening, y'all, the, uh, our friend from high school, Demetrius Davis, is out there uh, working the video staff in Tampa Bay. So, shouts out, Demetrius. Got to try yes, to get sir. out there for a game. I think they played the Tennessee Titans in preseason. And so, I was mm-hmm. thinking I might try to get out there for them to see them play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. But, y'all, that's all we have for you. Like I said, there was a lot going on. So, we had to jump back on. Once we get down to college football season, so I would say probably the weekend – before Labor Day, uh, we'll be back to doing episodes every week. Uh, and this, if Tom is busy some weekend, we'll switch the analysts around. But Thomas, we appreciate you coming. If we don't talk to you before then, we wish you the best of luck on the season ahead of time. Y'all boys went, what, three and one during the spring season, right? Three and two, I think three and two, right? What was it? Yep. Uh, well, we went, let me think, did we play? We went four and oh during the regular season, lost in the conference championship. So you can say four and one. Hey, they, I was watching the videos on YouTube. The boys was going crazy. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, it's that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate the good luck, though. Hey, for sure. That's all we have for y'all today. Peace. I just put a master kid on top of a lamp show. I know how I feel to stay down and run you some bands up. 100 grand on me, it's hard holding my pants up. TRH, the hell can't mow inside a ramp show. Real ones like me, hard to come by.